What was the score? 27 to 13? Yep. Thank you, Chuck Clark. Wait a second. Was that exactly my score <laughs> prediction? Might have been, especially if we really ragged on you. Oh, snap. I think it is. <laughs> You're going to have to victory lap on that because we, we were ragging on you that you always pick that. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back Whoa. to One Winning Pod where my score prediction was correct. <laughs> Oh man, this is this is gonna all be in the show. This is so genuine. I was like, scores twenty seven thirteen, right? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, wait a second, that was my my score prediction. Wow. So thanks, Chuck Clark, for not tackling. Um, <laughs> the Ravens win in the Superdome in New Orleans, and uh, man, that was great. It was a good game where the Ravens played complimentary football and were able to get a key win right before the bye. But before we start diving into the uh, analysis of the game, we do want to recognize that, unfortunately, one winning pod, Ravens recap before it, uh, lost one of their longtime listeners. Uh, my grandfather passed away early Sunday morning, and uh, he always talked about the shows and, and listened to everything. So we want to commemorate him and uh, acknowledge his memory. May his memory be eternal. Do you want to go, Peter? Uh, I was. I was trying to think what the requisite okay. amount of silence was. I was going with 15 <laughs> seconds. So. <laughs> That's fine. I Which, of course, do. Alec could add in if you want. But I usually I do know. 10. In the show. 10. Okay. okay. Not that well, we have as many opportunities for this, but. Yeah. I mean, I, I felt, especially, you know, everyone else we've we've uh, done that for has been someone from the Ravens organization or something, you know, pop culture that we have a great respect for. <laughs> That's not Ravens related, but, you know, still starts with the letter R, but. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, unfortunate man, uh, you know, prayers to you and, and everyone uh, in your family is, is affected by that. And obviously for your grandfather, first and foremost, um, I didn't meet him too many times in my life, but great guy to talk to. Really enjoyed, uh, talking about the Orioles resurgence when we picked up that, uh, that furniture from his place for your new spot over the summer. Definitely was disappointed to, to hear that, but yeah, the Ravens, uh, I can segue to this as best as I can. Uh, you know, we in the flock had a, a great victory to celebrate here. The Ravens um, went on Monday night football to the Superdome. Tough place to play on the road. A Saints team that looked last week like maybe they were starting to figure things out or maybe they were just playing the Raiders. Uh, and, you know, they, they were just playing the Raiders. We found out this past weekend after Jacksonville came back uh, and, and beat them. <laughs> but... Yeah, this is was a team that had a tough defense, uh, had some playmakers on offense, and the Ravens, there was never a doubt who was going to win this game. Uh, they go into the bye week on a three-game win streak, and even with the injuries that they've had, you're looking at the state of that this team is in at the fan base right now. I think this has got to be the most confident we've felt about the Ravens since probably going into the bye in 2020, if you think about it, because... Uh, 2021, even when they were putting up all those points and winning games, it, those were all close games, and we were all wondering how long, much longer could they go with the injuries on defense. So, yeah, this is, this is a, a high right now for the fan base as far as I'm concerned, and we'll just have to see uh, how if they can continue to ride this wave of momentum that they're going into on the bye week. So I'm feeling in a good spot about this team. How about you guys? I told you guys... I was man. I was hoping. I was hoping this would be like 
what I imagined the Giants game was going to be, and that a team coming in, coming off a really you know a uh, great win the week before, and the Ravens are just just a better team. And uh, what do you know? It didn't happen with the Giants, but it happened with the Saints. Yeah, I think I think it was like the head coach um, was it Dennis Allen afterwards, or maybe it was like Andy Dalton or something um, had said like in the post game presser that uh, the Raiders and the Ravens are basically like polar opposites. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah i mean it certainly showed it ravens are pretty much in control the entire game never really got to a point where you know the saints were really making a comeback maybe there was like one drive in there maybe but it, you know watching it live wasn't really worried so yeah it was a great great win especially one where so many injuries on offense um andrews and gus both out so yeah i mean it was great to see man i've you know been waiting for a a game like this um <laughs> honestly most of the year um i guess you could say the jets game was maybe kind of like this but even in that game i think it was a little bit closer than what the score indicated uh this just felt like a really good win a very solid win uh a, a game that we needed to uh to to take away a victory from against a lesser opponent yeah and i think when we're looking at this game we might want to look at the offense first uh because that was the bigger question going into this game we found out before this uh, kickoff, a few days before kickoff, that Rashad Bateman, unfortunately, is going to be out for the remainder of the season. So that's a big blow to the offense, obviously. There was question as to whether or not Gus and or Mark Andrews would suit up for this game. Both of them ended up uh, staying on the sideline. Obviously, Dobbins is still making his way back from injury. So if you look at that, outside of Lamar Jackson, going into the season, those are, those are the Ravens' top four playmakers that you're looking at there. Mark Andrews and, and Bateman, clearly the, the best pass catchers, and Edwards and Dobbins, your best ball carriers. So you look at that, and you're going on the road on Monday night against a defense that is maybe not among the league's best, but a very strong unit. And you had, had questions there, like, is, is just Lamar Jackson going to be enough in this game? And, and, he, and he was. And if you look at it, it was really the Lamar Jackson show. Uh, plus Kenyon Drake, and really, I think when we're talking about all all this offense, everything that went well, it starts with the play of the offensive line, who in this game we can nitpick, but overall, uh, they set the tone, and I think that was a big reason that allowed the Ravens' offense to be as effective as it was with so many key guys out. Yeah, Kenyon Drake was able to use the holes in front of him, get major positive yards, and you know compliments to the offensive line. Patrick Ricard, and to a lesser extent, some of the tight ends, you know, and, and also wide receivers, you know, everyone was blocking and contributing their part to enable these, uh, these big run plays. I remember seeing DuVernay, you know, didn't have many catches, but he had a nice, really good block on a third down play that let Lamar get the first down. And we saw Ricard just like bullying people. And I want to give like, you know a shout out to him because I remember saying earlier in the season he wasn't having that level of effectiveness, and I was worried that he wasn't helping the overall offensive scheme. But now that his effectiveness is through the roof, like this is exactly what we needed. He's kind of playing a 2019 Nick Boyle role in this offense and just bullying people. So really a great uh, progression from him and the overall run game. Where I, I feel like if we had this level of blocking, this is like the fanfic, we'll never know, this level of blocking with the geriatric running backs of last year, how good would the running game been? Even though like... You know, it doesn't feel like it's a whole new line. It really is. <laughs> like, I don't know. It, it. I mean, it's three new people, so I guess it should feel like more of a whole new line. But some of it feels, I don't know, 
don't know. Is that is that a normal feeling, or do you guys feel like this is a whole new line, other than like the way they're playing? Uh, I mean, th- there are definitely a lot of things that they're doing better this year that they really hadn't done much years past, right? You know, they're mixing. You know, we talked about last week. They're mixing up some uh, some zone read runs, um, and I mean, you're just seeing like just tons of pulls from almost everybody. Almost everybody is getting out in space. Stanley does did a little bit of that. Moses is great at that. Uh, Linderbaum, obviously, and um, even Zeiler. You know, occasionally you'll kind of see them pull, but um, they're very athletic. You know, I, two years ago, I mean, I, I think. I think the Ravens probably had one of the biggest offensive lines in football. They're still pretty big. Um, but then again, like, I think the athleticism and the ability to move in space, I think it's just something we haven't really seen before uh, with this offense. So I think that's great. I, I think that kind of adds another level. Debatable, I guess, how you know good you maybe think Drake is uh, you know, versus some of the guys from last year. But I, I, I do think... I think Drake at this point has way more in the tank than anybody on the roster did last year. Um, so, you know, I, I think there is that. But, but yeah, I mean, regardless, I, I agree with you guys. Um, I had a great game overall. Just, I mean, like I said, the the first drive, I think maybe they struggled a little bit with the Saints. They were playing pretty well, uh, making some good tackles and kind of keeping a run short. But as the game wore on, they just had their way with them and the runs kept getting bigger. Uh, taking off bigger chunks um they really couldn't stop it did you guys see the drake quote from the uh post game i haven't watched it yet no i missed it oh it was something along the lines of like the human body can only take so much punishing or something like that <laughs> it was like total bane vibes you know <laughs> what will break nice. first the body or the minds <laughs> no. <laughs> whatever, whatever the quote was nice but uh yeah i mean that kind of gets back to what we were talking about though right like just a very punishing bully ball aspect game. And I feel like this might've been the first game where it really felt like it was bully ball. I guess, you know, you had an aspect of it last week in the second half, but it felt like this game was like that the whole way through. Yes. Yeah. I, I agree with that too. Last week, it kind of felt you, you weren't as sure of, was it the Ravens have figured something out to, to dominate opponents or is it just that, the the Tampa, Tampa Bay Buccaneers are just completely gassed and the Ravens just look like they're doing everything to the utmost extent because well their opponent can't do anything they got no legs left but yeah you're exactly right this game they came out and there was no question that that they were there to uh instill their will to go in and and get the win and it was great to see and and I I agree it was all five members of the offensive line there on on run blocking. A guy who stood out to me watching it, and I don't know if it's just because I haven't focused as much on this guy as the others on the offensive line this game, was uh, Ben Powers in the run game uh, looked really good. Uh, there was a, a lot of instances where you know he was really getting uh, downfield in his blocks uh, a couple second level. Um, I think it was the first... Kenyon Drake run he had a, a particularly good block uh, that that really helped open a gaping hole for Drake in that one pass protection you know there was a couple mistakes there for, for powers but from a run game perspective I don't think this offensive line has looked this good from a run blocking perspective as they have in the past few weeks since the 2019 season because remember 2020 uh, they were really struggled in the first half and then got better as the year went on but I don't think it was ever quite able to get quite to the levels of 2019. And then we all know what happened last year. So we know that the Ravens want to try and bring 
back, recreate the magic of 2019 uh, as much as is possible. And one of the ways to do that is to get the the offensive line back to being one of the best run blocking offenses, offensive line units in the league. And if they want to do that, the past couple of weeks has certainly been moving in that direction. Uh, there's really, I, I don't even think there's anything we, negative we can say about the the run blocking unless we'll be in really nitpicky in my opinion yeah i think it was all pretty good the the passing game i think maybe we can talk about that a little bit look all things considered like we said uh baby and andrews both out it's a little shorthanded we finally brought up deshaun jackson first uh time we've seen him uh have some activity he had a really nice catch uh, i think it was kind of like a you know kind of like a deep curl route or something um, ended up getting like a 15-yard catch or something, uh, which right. is great. Um, you know, other than that, it kind of the ball was spread around a little bit. Robinson had a few catches, which I thought were good. He could have had a lot more if Lamar was a little bit more accurate with some of his passes. Um, likely got involved. Prochet got involved a little bit. Duvernay got involved a little bit. You know, we kind of spread it around. Uh, nobody kind of really stood out, but that's okay. I mean, this is a game to lean on the run game. So, um, you know, we didn't really need to put the ball in the air that much but when we did for the most part it was effective um you know I, I do think here just you know we we need a little bit more consistency here uh you know it feels like Lamar's kind of in one of his little funks you know he kind of has this over the last couple of years where just like there are a handful of games that like doesn't really look like himself he kind of regresses a little bit you know I certainly think that there was a lot of good from him but uh, he's still kind of in a funk, in my opinion. I think he he really needs a breakout game to kind of, uh, you know, reassert that he's in like the you know upper echelon right now. Not saying that he isn't, but it's just like just from the play game by game. You know what I mean? So one thing I noticed is that they passed the ball to ten different players this game, which is kind of remarkable. And it kind of alluded to a point that me and Garnett discussed last week when talking about the Ravens is that you know you can look at just the raw. Uh, target numbers you can look at uh, a pie chart visualizing it but it's hard to believe how incredibly concentrated the targets were to mark andrews he had more targets than any two other players combined including guys like duvernay and bateman you know or likely these guys are kind of the ones that have followed in the footsteps as far as targets go and similarly if you do the math this is from before this game the ravens wide receivers average 12 targets a game um <laughs> which is just like nothing right like isn't that crazy because you know then you think about it it's like all right these guys are getting like three opportunities a game to make a play to make a splash and it's not that surprising that you know it's hard like, it's hard for us to ever have a game where we're like oh you know they had one play two plays here you know that like they just they don't get their name called often and maybe it's a byproduct of passing density i mean that's definitely part of it but it's also i think a byproduct of the fact that we do send the ball in a lot of different directions like it looks like ricardo gets one target a game you know tight end two three is getting a couple targets a game uh and things like that so i just thought it was worth bringing that up the running backs of two that like what i noticed in this game is some nice splashes from the supporting cast they didn't get many opportunities, but when they did, you know, Deshaun Jackson provided, um, you know, kind of a decent spark. And I was like, man, this guy's pretty old. For, like he, He's like one of the best geriatric ones. And I think we, the name Steve Smith came up. Like, I mean, we're not trying to make any like 
super huge expectations for him, but he just had a little bit of that like veteran uh, dog, you know, and it, it was kind of exciting. And then of course, like Prochet had two great catches, looked beautiful. Uh, and then like Duvernay, like I said, he had the one catch and he also had the blocks and just like, I think he had something too. So even though these guys aren't having like a huge fantasy day or anything like that, I think they're contributing to the offense and helping it, you know, run on schedule. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's a good point that you brought up. Uh, you can look at the box score of these guys and, and you're going to say like, well, okay, no one in this game for the Ravens from a receiving perspective had more than two receptions. Uh, you know, it, it, you just look at it that way and you're kind of like, well, okay, the passing offense struggle, but that's really not the case. Like you're saying, it's just that the Ravens had a plan to spread the ball around without a primary receiver. And honestly, if you look at, that was probably a good strategy given what the Saints were able to do the previous week, which was basically just shut down uh, Devontae Adams of the Raiders. And then after that, the Raiders just didn't have uh, an answer for that. And yeah, it, Deshaun Jackson, I agree. He, he did look better than what I thought. We're not going to get prime of his career Pro Bowl Deshaun Jackson. That's if we were, he wouldn't have been available for as long as he was uh, this season. But, you know, yeah, he came in out there. It, it looked like him and, and Lamar already had a little bit of a of a rapport. Um, unfortunately, he did leave the game with a, a bit of a hamstring tweak. So we'll see how, if that keeps him out. Good thing to buy his next week. So hopefully that'll give him some chance to rest up. But yeah, it, it's... It, it, it's not a game where we saw any one receiving target have a, a monster performance, but it was a the definition of a of a team effort. And I I may have misheard you. On did you say ten different players caught caught passes in the game? That's what I thought it was. Maybe it was ten targets or ten different players targeted. Oh no no no! You're right. You're right. I got mixed up because it's only twelve receptions. Yeah <laughs> no. Yeah, ten different players. <laughs> only Prochet and Drake had had multiple grabs. <laughs> That's. So, I mean, you know, you can look at it in one of two ways. One way you can look at it is just like, okay, well, they didn't have any one guy step up and be the guy to to carry the team. But at the other way around it, looking at it is like you got all these guys that can make a play when you had all these injuries in. So I'm not sure if that formula works all the time. So hopefully Mark Andrews can come back uh, post by, but it was still great to see that in this game and, and see that, that had no negative impact at all on the game script for the Ravens. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, you know, just to kind of reiterate kind of what I was saying earlier is that, you know, Robinson, I think, could have had at least four, maybe five, I think, catches. Um, honestly, Lamar missed them on almost all of them. <laughs> I think the, you know, he had a, a really great catch, um, which I ended, I think it ended up either converting a third down or maybe getting like a long second into like a third and one or something where you'd be kind of bullying all the corners um, and safeties that were trying to tackle him and just like get pushing up field. Um, it was a great play from him. I think that was probably his only catch. Uh, but yeah, he had a few other ones where, you know, he got open in the flat, um, you know, just the ball a little bit behind him. I think he had one, uh, you know, he was deep down the left sideline. It was missed there. And then, uh, you know, could have had a potential touchdown as well and other drives. So, you know, I, I think, yeah, I mean, just to set expectations here, right, that it's not like, it's not that the guys aren't stepping up, like, you know, 
they, they certainly can. It's not that they're necessarily unproven. I, I think, you know, there are some things on the passing offense that still need to click. And, you know, back to what you guys are saying, like that was the big downside for 2019 is with so few targets and attempts, right? You're just, you don't have that much practice, honestly, to be able to like get that rapport and like get into a groove. You have to make the most of like the few opportunities that you do get. So I think I think we're just gonna have to see. I I do think overall with like with Bateman being out for the year, it's gonna be a little tough because that is gonna put a lot more on some of these guys, you know, just to to use that raw talent when we are going to be facing better defenses toward the end of the year, right? That that that's something that just is gonna have to happen. And yeah, like I mean, just off the top of my head, between now, like between the receivers that we have now in 2019. <laughs> they're they're pretty close, honestly. Like, I mean, Andrews is the, the the big constant that you're gonna have him in both teams. But other than that, yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's a conversation for another time as well. But you know, as far as like you know, how how the Ravens want to construct this offensive roster. But I think regardless, you know, what you guys are said right. Um, they spread the ball. They spread the ball out a good bit, which is great. The guys are stepping up. We just need to keep uh, keep iterating. Like Lamar is, you know, like Lamar said, you just got to keep uh, keep grinding, keep getting better, you know. Yeah, I mean, since since we are getting into the bye week now, I think this is a great time to, to talk about that and how this receiving uh, group might look going forward. And I, I I am glad you keep harping back to to Robinson because we saw last week he he stepped up, he had some more catches, and he had an opportunity for a bigger game this past week. I'm really interested to see how he comes out of the bye. I, it seems like he's starting to find a little more of a space for himself in this offense. Look, the first five uh, weeks of the season, he had one game where he had more than three targets. That was week one against the Jets. The past three weeks, five targets, eight targets, four targets. It looks like they're starting to try and get him more involved. Yes, part of that is because of the injury debatement, obviously, but it seems like he's on the cusp of becoming a bigger tool in this offense. How big of his role will be, I, I don't know. I, I don't foresee him having, you know, the, the stat line that he had in that last preseason game in the regular season regularly. Maybe he'll have one of those games, uh, you know, like maybe like against Jacksonville or against the Panthers in the in the back half of the schedule. But yeah, maybe he's a guy who, who catches a, a deep ball every now and again. He's got the the height to be a red zone threat uh, if him and Lamar can get that timing. He's an interesting third or fourth option for this offense that we kind of wrote off, or at least I did, just after you know the first couple weeks of the season. He wasn't producing what we saw in the preseason, which I, I wasn't expecting him to either. I, I made that clear when we were doing our review of that game. But I don't know. I, I've liked the potential that I've seen from him the past couple of weeks. And I'm, I'm curious to see if the Ravens are able to, to get some more out of him in this second half of the season. I think there's a opportunity there for a bigger role for Demarcus Robinson. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I, I, yeah, honestly, like I, I think that, I think that'd be perfect, man. If you just catch, you know, a couple targets on some deep routes would be great. Um, he's also like proven he can do some stuff underneath too, right? He can do a couple of dig mm-hmm. routes or, or, or slants or something. Um, and if he gets a little bit of space, I think he can make guys miss. He also like, you know, is as long as he's not super overpowered by somebody a lot larger, or a lot stronger than him, I think he, you know, he can 
get some of that yakking, even if it is in traffic. Um, but honestly, like I think the key for me is to try and keep him as our, I, I guess our why, um, an outside receiver, so that Duvernay doesn't have to play that all the time. He Duvernay mm. is another weapon, but I do think that he is has a unique set of skills that are probably more predicated to more drawn up plays specifically for him. Whereas, like I, I don't, I, I just feel like I don't think Duvernay's uh, strength is necessarily of an outside receiver. You put him, you give him the ball on a run play, you give him in like uh, a screen or something. You make uh, get blockers in front of him and let him kind of have the vision to be able to do some of that stuff. Um, so we, you know, we don't need him out there. But if we have a guy like Robinson, like okay, now you can do that. You can make him run deep. You can make him be a blocker for Duvernay, and now you can, you know, kind of keep him in a position where where he can have more success. Because um, you know he's proven it the first couple of weeks. Duvernay was on a, a crazy run with all the touches and a couple of touchdowns that he was getting. Uh, he's quieted off a little bit. I, I think that's kind of related maybe to just the injuries that we've seen. You know, he he can do some of these things, but to really kind of have him be successful, you got to have a couple of those supporting players around him that enable that to happen. Well, I do think one other thing I, I want to hit on with the offense before we go to talk about the defense is just a circle back. We did hint a little bit about Kenyon Drake's performance, but um, just again to, to show, uh, to highlight how he's been, you know, this is a guy that, wasn't even supposed to be on the Ravens roster. The The Raiders cut him for reasons I can't remember. And with the Ravens obviously signed him as security. We already had Mike Davis here and, and Justice Hill was ready to go in the start of the season. Uh, drafted Tyler Beatty. We expected that he would get some carries. He's so far had seen no regular season action. But um, Kenyon Drake's been a, a solid constant on this offense Sure, not every game he's having big plays, but Dobbins, Gus, and Justice just in and out of the lineup. We've still had Drake here, and he's been more effective than any of the vets last year. Freeman, Bell, Murray were uh, just a, a good move by the Ravens. Not a guy who's overpowering, like we're saying, or replacing the production that we're going to get from those guys when they are healthy, but uh, just a steady hand that's helped keep this offense on track. Part of that's been the offensive line, but also Drake's been uh, doing pretty well himself. So uh, hopefully that he can continue to be that consistent hand when the injuries are unfortunately happening. But it's a critical move in the, in the off and right before the season, and it's it's definitely helped the offense so far. I think one crazy sequence I'd like to point out was. Well, Mike Davis didn't get many snaps, and I still wonder why he might be in there. I guess the reason why is his pass pro. Bro lit, lit somebody up and then caught the pass in the flat in his limited action. <laughs> and uh, I do remember that play. Yeah, that was great. it was kind of like one of those, like, <laughs> I'm only going to get one opportunity. I'm making the most of it. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought that up. I thought you guys were going to skip the offense and go right to the defense without mentioning it. <laughs> But anyway, now that we've done that, why not? Let's go to the defense. That sounds good. Um, I got to say, yeah, I think the big thing for this game, man, I think the the battle was won in the trenches. I think the defensive line has been forming, has been, been performing at a really great level uh, this season. I think, man, all everyone's kind of stepped up. Uh, Matabuke continues to just look great. Um definitely much improved over the last couple of years from him. 
Uh, Campbell, Houston. Uh, Houston had an amazing game. Two and a half sacks. Interception. Uh, looked incredible. Yeah, man. Front seven, I, I thought overall. Um, just, you know, it, it's starting to dominate. It's it's really exciting, uh, especially with adding Roquan. Whew, man, I, I think his defense is going to be really good. We're, we're, we're going to start to see some even better things. Yeah, we advertised Roquan in the the preview pod as the missing piece to this defense and it's only one game but he was as advertised uh and he made his mark early it was early in that first quarter where he was making stops against the run he was all over the field in the game just a, a, a great uh, first debut for him and you know Patrick Queen also had a good game uh, on Monday night which isn't too much of a surprise we saw last season that when the Ravens brought back Bynes, uh, that, that helped his play. We saw an improvement in his play there. We saw the same thing in 2020. Patrick Queen just plays better when he's got a guy who is, is in his prime knowing what he's doing right next to him. That's it, able to just do his thing better, and we saw that. So uh, great play there by, by both those guys. And then, of course, if we're going to talk about Roquan Smith, we got to talk about the other guy making their – debut for the 2022 Ravens on on Monday night the guy wasn't a new signing just a guy back from injury Tyus Bowser came back and he also uh, made a statement early in the game he was he had two pressures of Dalton in the first quarter was in the backfield several other times during the game uh, maybe pass coverage was a, a step behind where we've come to expect from him but very good early sign from uh, Tyus Bowser in this game as well I thought he played really well on in that game as well it's called the front seven, but in reality, it's like, what, 11 players that we're talking about here that are contributing, maybe more. And the reason why this is so significant is because, my gosh, like we're seeing everyone stock up. I don't think there's a single player on this team in the front seven that we're not saying is improving right now. Like, it seems like they're getting better. And it's super exciting because, like you mentioned, like there's a whole plethora of names to talk about. So let's let's start with the middle linebackers. The Queen had another great game. He played more snaps than Roquan. Not that surprising given the fact of a limited time to get installed in the defense. But he had an awesome play that enabled that first sack by Houston. He just like shot in there, occupied a man, and let Houston do his thing. So I think you got to give him credit for that. And then you see Roquan, his big thing... I know we talked about his good tackling, but he just stops the momentum like that. And once he made impact, the people were not falling forward. They were falling backwards. And that was a difference. That was a difference in those two plays back-to-back that he had the tackle is they didn't fall forward. They line up uh, you know, a yard or two short of the sticks, and they have to punt the ball away. And that was just huge impact. Yeah, you know what? On the inside linebacker play, man, I, I, I really think... I would really be curious to kind of watch more film to kind of compare uh, game plan here. Um, but one of the things that I thought it really was kind of apparent against the Saints was that because the Ravens had, because the Ravens could play their linebackers and were more confident that they could play, that they could play well in pass coverage was that in this game, you almost always saw Geno and Chuck playing two deep safety, like way back away from the play, um, which honestly, you know, made me kind of think when I was looking at the, the film of like, okay, well, why is, you know, why is Chuck so far back? Usually, you know, we kind of see him 
uh, have some more tackles. Um, we see him a little bit more involved in terms of like actually stopping the offense. But here, it's just you know, he's sort of just kind of the last man there, just not really letting anything get behind him, but also not being the one to really make those plays. I really feel that the you know with Roquan and with Queen continuing to elevate his play. We're going to see a lot more of that, where now our safeties don't have to be the ones to be able to make those plays. They can be more of the, okay, maybe gamble a little bit, do the Marcus Williams thing, trying to figure out, like, okay, take some shots on trying to get a, a turnover, right, or doing some of this stuff. They don't always have to be in the right position to be able to make the tackle, to be able to make the stop. You can count on the, the front seven. You can count on the middle linebackers to be able to do that for you, and they can play a little bit more loose on the back end. I really thought that that was apparent with the Saints' uh, game plan. That's why you saw so many tackles from the linebackers and from the corners. Um, you know, you didn't see that much uh, as far as the safeties. Some exceptions, like Hamilton, I think he was playing a lot more close, and he was a lot more involved uh, for some of that stuff. You know, I've, I would not be surprised if that trend continues, uh, especially as Roquan you know, gets more ramped up and uh, you know we start to have you know maybe Marcus Williams back in a couple of weeks. I, I think that's going to be uh, way more apparent. Yeah, I think that's a good observation. And, uh, you know, the, the stats really back up what you're saying, too. Uh, both Chuck Clark and uh, Geno Stone only had a single tackle apiece in this game. And part of it is, is like you're saying, they were playing uh, so deep. Uh, Hamilton was the safety that was close up on the line. They kept those guys back deep. And uh, the Saints really didn't get the ball downfield terribly much. Uh, Chris Olave is their rookie first-round pick this season, uh, as most of you listening are familiar with. He's been having an excellent season, and the Ravens kept him in check pretty much. He got his catches, but nothing that, that burned them. It was a very quiet six catches for 71 yards. Most of those catches were on the Saints' first drive and last drive of, of the first half, if I am if I can recall correctly. They, they kept uh, Taysom Hill in check, which... Not a, not a huge shocker. The Ravens' defense, I don't think, is is a unit that's going to get fooled by that type of player that that Hill is. But still, again, keeping him in check was something that, if you're keeping him in check, the linebackers are going to have a lot to do with that, as well as uh, Kamara. That was something I was concerned about going into the game. Personally, we saw what Kamara did last week to to the Raiders, and in in the post game. The Saints pointed out that they felt they had a good matchup against the Raiders linebackers, and we've seen this year that with without Roquan, we've had some uh, issues in coverage with interior linebackers. The Saints re- weren't able to get him going in the receiving game. Uh, so part of it may have just been having to do with the Saints. They, they have weapons that can beat you, but they're not an offense like you know the Bills or, or the Chiefs or, or the Bengals that have multiple guys where it's like, okay, if you shut down uh, Chase and Higgins, you still got to worry about Boyd and Mixon or, or, you know, something along those lines. So that did make it, I think, a little easier for it being the first game when you're putting in Roquan and and seeing what the unit can do with him, seeing what what plays he's ready for with the unit. Um, But, you know, you can only play who who you're lined up against, right? So um, given the assignment that they had, they did a great job. And you know, they've got that on film and they've got a bye week to look at what went right, look at what they can improve on. And it's it's certainly going to be interesting going forward to see what new wrinkles are in this defense, what new strategies, you know, like you're saying, Chris, how are 
is is this going to change how they can employ deploy not just the safeties but uh, other positions as well um, going forward? Might see a lot new of new wrinkles from this defense uh, out of the bye week. Yeah, I definitely want to dig into that a little bit more. So. As you kind of alluded to, I'm taking some of these numbers from uh, Kevin Cusick's site, but we saw a lot of big nickel. And the big thing you can pull out of this whole thing is that Hamilton played 76% of snaps this last game. And that was, I think, his biggest number to date. And also his most impact with like the interception that was overturned due to baloney. I'll use the Lamar's <laughs> word of the day. Baloney. Uh, <laughs> and... Lamar's word of the day is baloney. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I've been watching a lot of Sesame Street with my kid. That's what it sounded like right there. No, I know. I, I appreciate it. But yeah, we saw this big nickel. It was extremely effective. 15 plays, 55 yards for 3.7 yards per play. And we also saw rush nickel, which I think is what me and Chris thought was the race car, which is uh, three outside linebacker and two inside linebackers. Because we think that generated uh, two of the sack plays. And we thought that was race car packages, but it, it, it guess technically was rush nickel. Another beautiful package, right? Like, and we just see McDonald having a lot of fun with his confidence and coverage in the back end and the versatility of the players that we have. I also think the big thing we noticed too, part of it was game flow. So, you know, you can't extrapolate too much, but they did have confidence having Roquan out on an island. You know, he was the only linebacker out there a couple times. And, Similarly, they had it with Queen. You know, they both, I think they actually both uh, participated in snaps like that. So I just think we're going to see a level of creativity out of this defense and package personnel, particularly if the offense, again, plays complimentary football, allows them to do some of this stuff that will be super exciting. I think one of the last things I want to say in this little uh, piece is that the offense had a down drive, and I thought that was the drive that could be the nail in the coffin. And I said the defense needs to come up big, and they had those sacks to trigger three and out and I was like boom there you go complimentary football so yeah I mean I just like the way each side of the team's lifting each other up right now yeah for sure it's great um another you know another kind of on the the packages um one I think there were a couple plays for this but the most apparent to me I think were uh the one uh, drive the Saints were driving into the red zone and then I think we forced them to a field goal I think it might have been the second field goal that they got I guess it was big nickel but it was aligned in such that it almost looked like a four safety look because they moved Brandon Stevens as sort of like the free safety in the middle and then they would have Gino and Chuck on either side so it was kind of like three safeties back but then they also have Hamilton underneath and I think they ran that twice in a row if I recall um, that's pretty interesting. Like, I feel like we wouldn't see that very often. Um, you know, obviously Stevens can play safety. Uh, he did a little bit of that last year, but he's more of a, you know, man corner this year. Uh, but I thought that was pretty neat. Something that we kind of, you know, at least I hadn't seen before and, uh, it seemed to work pretty well. Yeah. That, that was alluded to as a standard dime where you just assume Hamilton as a, a cornerback, uh, in, in his nomenclature. Um, and also like you said, 11 plays, 63 yards, 5.7 yards per play, um, and it was used eight of the first nine plays on the last drive. Uh, that was what, you know, they ended up getting the field goal. So great yeah. memory, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Well, if we're talking about the defense, we certainly can't uh, gloss over the game that, that Justin Houston had. Not just the game that he had, but the, the year that this guy is having right now in his age 33 season. 
very inspiring for us as we're not as far away from that as we would like to think. Uh, <laughs> uh, just So it, what's incredible here is not only is this guy uh, had at least one sack in every game that he's played this year, he is second in the league right now between uh, Matt Judon is leading the league in sacks with 11 and a half and Justin Houston is tied at eight and a half with uh, a few other players, including also former Raven and former almost Raven again, Zadarius Smith. But what was fascinating to me with the huge defensive culture that the Ravens have had, Justin Houston had became the first player in Ravens history to have three games uh, strung together with multiple sacks. That's just incredible given all the defensive names that have played for this team and also for him to be doing it at this year. And especially last year, he made some plays, but certainly wasn't looking anywhere uh, as as spry or as a force as he is this year. So Justin Houston just having a, a year none of us were expecting, and he was one of the, the best players on the defensive field last night, one of the best defensive players on the field, period, last game. Yeah, you can't gloss over it. He's having the biggest impact of all of our edge rushers as far as, you know, dominating in the limited snaps he's getting, so to speak, or benefiting from the fact that he's not playing as many snaps. And, yeah, it's it's crazy. In his press conference, you know, he alluded to the fact that he considered retiring. And I think that was somewhat news. You know, it wasn't terribly surprising, but he never really, I guess, publicly acknowledged it. And he's saying that he doesn't even know what he's doing out there half the time. He just is succeeding and is trusting God and all this good stuff. And it is a, a beautiful thing to watch. Fountain of youth, him and Campbell have been, uh, you know, drinking from it. <laughs> Something's going on at the castle and it's a beautiful thing. Like <laughs> I, I think he had a great game and I think Campbell also had one of the best games. You know, maybe that infection was there longer than we knew, you know, <laughs> like got to clear it up. I don't even know, but he, it wasn't even like he was playing poorly before. He just, I felt like he had a little bit extra uh, spring in his step. Yeah. I mean, he had the pass deflection, um, some pretty good pressures. I don't have the stats in front of me, but I'm sure he had a, a few pressures that were probably t- uh, uh, tallied. It's amazing for me, too. Um, you know, we're talking about how Houston has limited snaps. Campbell, like, does, but also, like, doesn't. Like, he still plays a good bit on defense of snaps but he also like it's just amazing looking at like all the special team snaps that he gets to like he's on the field goal blocking he's on punt blocking like he's out there all the time it's just crazy he's still continuing to play at a high level and one of the things that kind of blew my mind too was that he is the oldest starting defensive player in the league in the entire league and just the you know the fact that he's playing at such a high level and still, like, having a, a good bit of snaps in all phases of the game. That's incredible. I might have been remembering incorrectly what they said on the broadcast, but I thought the wording they used was that he's the oldest player to take a defensive snap in the NFL this season. So not just, you know, not only is he starting at his age, but apparently there's no other defensive player <laughs> older than him currently, you know, who's seen the field this year. I don't, that, that seems a little hard to believe because, I mean, 36 is clearly up there for a defensive guy, but um, I don't know. That That's that's what I, that's yeah. how I interpreted what they said, but 
I'd have to go <laughs> Either back. Way. Yeah, I mean, the, the closest people I can think of would maybe be like Patrick Peterson and J.J. Watt. They were drafted in 2011. But Campbell was drafted three years earlier. <laughs> so I don't know if there's anybody. I'll have to look and see yeah. if they've been drafted yeah, JJ, in 2009 or 2010. J.J. Watt is also 33. Yeah, so... I mean, either way, regardless of, of whether or not he is or is not the the oldest, um, he's certainly one of and is is still playing at a, a, a high level. So, <laughs> excellent free agent signing by the Ravens. There, this is now the the third year they're getting out of this guy, and that's that's something. Especially when we look at other free agent signings that the Ravens have had recently of start of veteran guys, and uh, you're not usually getting that as as we know. Uh, that's that's not going to surprise anyone. So, I mean, it's. It's always great to see that, regardless of whether or not this is Campbell's last year or not. Um, the Ravens have gotten excellent value out of that signing, and not just from a, from a playing standpoint. We know from a leadership too. Uh, he's been a great leader for the Ravens defense as well. So uh, excellent, excellent there, and he's meshing very well with the with the young guys on that on that line. Who man, he had so many. Uh, defensive linemen in this game get get past <laughs> deflections. He had Campbell there, Matabike got in there, and. Um, Urban, and, and oh, and Urban, of course, of course, I'm going to forget Urban, the one that uh, that knocked into to Houston's hand for the interception. Uh, it's just it was like it was a volleyball team there. They, they were playing volleyball <laughs> out there. <laughs> yeah, going into the bye, it's super encouraging to see this defense really starting to click. You know, and they haven't even got all their toys back yet. Ojabo is going to be in the mix eventually, and I think it's just super exciting. I mean, I think the thing that's crazy about this version of the team is if you look at the snaps, there's a couple players that just like don't exist anymore as far as getting used. Like you're seeing a lot less of the, I don't know, for lack of a better word, like random linebackers <laughs> that we've had throughout the collection of the year. It's like the guys that we all accounted for at the beginning of the year that's getting the majority of the snaps. And we're seeing higher snap rates out of certain players that we were hoping would have growing roles like like Hamilton, which is helping clear up some of the issues we're seeing with the slot corner. You know, where it was a kind of a roller coaster of who's going to be in there, who's not. And I hope that obviously we start having some answers there. And I think we want to see a slot corner really emerge and become a more reliable player. But in the short term, and even maybe in the long term, this defense might be able to get away with leaning on the super depth of outside linebackers, super depth at safety, and a newfound uh, excellence at inside linebacker, honestly. You know, not even taking away from Queen, but we have like two plus now, you know, with, with Roquan there. So it's just, it's all wheels up. Yeah, and I, I think that's a good thing to, to point out because uh, while there was plenty of good to go around, there were a couple negatives in this game that we can point out a bit a lot of people are, are talking about it this was not Marcus Peters best game particularly at the end of both halves um, he made a couple gaffes before halftime one of which uh, if, if Andy Dalton could have made an accurate pass he had I believe it was Marcus Callaway wide open in the end zone just overthrew him yep uh, and that was uh, an easy touchdown the the Ravens uh, maybe that would have changed momentum a little bit. I don't know. That would have been fourteen to seven going into the half instead of fourteen to three. I think the Ravens still would have won the game, no problem. But still, again, the end of half uh, woes did still pop up a bit for this team. And of course, there was the play that 
gave me a little bit of a sweat in our uh, tight end premium uh, <laughs> dynasty, best ball dynasty. I was winning that game comfortably, and then that touchdown happened, and I'm down half a point, and it's just needed Lamar. Those last rushing yards that Lamar Jackson got on that final drive was enough to put me back up by half a point and escape the win. But <laughs> regardless, anyways, um, yeah, I mean, you know, that, that, was, a, that was a bad gaffe. I, I guess it's not a big deal because the game was, was won at that point. Uh, I, I don't really know what Peters and Clark were, were really thinking there, but it it wasn't the best of looks, but at the same time, like we're saying, it didn't really have an impact on the game. Um, I, Peters, he, to his credit, I think he has made some good plays this year, but he's also had some cha- opportunities, uh, particularly in the Dolphins game we all know, and then some other instances against the Bengals and the Browns this year where uh, he's given up some plays that generally we, we wouldn't see him do. Uh, in the past. So he doesn't seem like he's 100% right. A lot of people are saying that. Uh, It's possible. I'm not a medical expert when it comes to that, but hopefully the the buy is coming at a good time for him and we can see him come back to the all pro self that he's at because while while Marlon Humphrey has come back and been absolutely shut down uh, outside of that, obviously we've had the injury to Kyle Fuller, Pepe and Armour Davis have shown flashes, but aren't quite where we need them to be yet. And we've had Stevens play some corner, but you know, the, having a, a full strength Marcus Peters, if we're if we're really trying to be greedy with this defense, would would just be icing on the cake. And and hopefully, uh, Peters can continue to work through his injury and, and work back to to the guy we all know he can be because he's obviously such a huge difference maker and turnover machine when he's able to. Yeah, physically, I have no idea. I feel like I feel like the mentally, I think that's it's like. I don't know. It's just like there are a couple gambles of just, you know, is he running a post? Now nah, he's running a corner route. Um, just like not kind of, I don't know, not making the right decisions. Uh, but I mean, again, like, you know, I guess on those sort of things, like maybe it is a physical thing of just, you know, being able to react split second that he's going one way or the other. I don't know. But yeah, there's been a few things like that where I just felt like the decision making like hasn't been quite there. You know, obviously 2019, that was something where we'd look and say like, you know, oh, Peters, he's so smart. You know, he has safety help behind him. And that's why he did the gamble and it was so smart. Um, We just like haven't seen that level this year. You know, it's just like, oh, but Peters, why didn't you like go on that route instead of that route? It's just, I don't, I don't, for what it's worth, I don't blame him on the, the touchdown at the end with the tight end like it's just a weird play it's just a weird yeah it's just a weird play um if anything clark i just i just wanted clark to put a hand on him to just make sure that everything was cool but i don't know that was a little weird but yeah I, like but other than that yeah i think earlier in the game i think he had like i think he had like at least two corner routes kind of completed on him that weren't great I don't know. Yeah, I I hope that I hope that whatever it is, man, they can get back because just the last couple of weeks, I feel like he's had a couple of just head scratching moments. Um, fortunately, none this game, but the last couple of games, a couple of holding calls and pass interference. I'm like, I know that's you know somewhat expected with this defense, but also like it really sucks having that like on a third down where you're, you're expecting to get off the field. But uh, but yeah, we'll see. You know, it's. Look, man, we've had a lot of worse corners out here. Like, Marcus Peters is nowhere near the bottom of that list. So, I'm not, like, that worried. But, yeah, it would be nice if he was back to his all-pro self, too. My hope is that it's mental lapses. My fear is that, like you said, uh, Chris, 
I think it's it probably is a physical thing more than anything. I just have a feeling that he's gambling and unable to recover quite like he once did, and it's making his gambles more costly. And it's going to be hard to teach an old dog new tricks when it comes to his go no go of of gambling. And I'm I'm wondering yeah. if he's going to fall off. I hope not. I hope this is like all speculation, but I I'm curious if his fall off will be more severe than other elite older players because of it because his his elite skill was a uh a mental thing that leveraged physical ability just just a thought yeah. i i hope i hope i'm wrong i hope that's not what it is uh, because i really want him to come back from this injury and and just dominate and just on it's poor timing the injury's right at that place where the cliff might be anyways you hate to blame it on the injury you hate to lose one last of the you know, one last good year, so to speak, from him. So, I'm hoping he's able to come back. That would be awesome. He looked like at the beginning of the year. Do I go into MVPs? I think so. All right. So here, here's the thing. We're gonna have a we're gonna have some sort of poll or conversation. We want to start on Twitter about this next player. <laughs> I've been calling him Hammy, which has a negative connotation. I know. So maybe we need to workshop this. <laughs> Chris mentioned last night. K. Ham. Obviously, these are both uh, names coming from the musical Hamilton. I feel like we have to come up with some nickname for Hamilton as he's going to be a big player on this team for hopefully a long time. And uh, and yeah, so send in your uh, ideas. You can tweet at us. We'll have a tweet later in the week, I'm sure. But uh, start start thinking about it. Start thinking about nicknames for Hamilton. And uh, But yeah, he's my MVP this game. Should have had his first career interception, but it was overturned for... Uh, the bloaty word of the day call and he also just contributed in a couple you know key plays he was out there for 76 percent, so you know <laughs> there was a lot of good plays that he was around for and i thought his tackling was solid which is a, a big win too so congrats to him being able to earn a spot in most packages like harbs alluded to during the presser nice uh, i'll go ahead and give mine i'm gonna give mine to Kenyon drake um you know, I think uh, Houston wouldn't have been an obvious one, but I wanted to pick Drake because I was probably sure that Peter wasn't going to go to Drake. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's, like we said earlier, he's been looking incredible. You know, there's a, a couple of games that we've had from him, the multi-touchdown, many yards, just kind of taking over games. You know, for a guy who's, you know, once Dobbins and Edwards are back, is going to be projected to be the third running back, like... That's incredible. Like, he's playing an incredible level for a third running back. Honestly, maybe even fourth because we have Hill. So, it's way better than anything we had last year. Uh, he's balling. It's it's great to see. Excellent. I love it. Yeah, there, there's so many. There's so many we can give out. And as a result, I have to give out co-MVPs because I, I just can't <laughs> pick. I just can't pick one he's player. He's so greedy. I've left <laughs> um, The obvious one is Justin Houston, obviously. He got the big sexy stats. He got the two and a half sacks he got the one interception he had a great game but um i think you also we also got to give it to uh to marlon humphrey led the team in tackles uh had that sack uh that forced that second field goal um, i mean honestly it was a team sack because when you're overloading with that mu- many players and you you just overwhelm the line it's just whoever gets to the quarterback first is going to get the sack but again in, in coverage marlon humphrey has just come back from his injury last year and from uh just having to to do too much in a beat up secondary last year and just has come back as his all pro self. He's been a huge reason why this defense has been able to right the ship from their uh, shaky start at the beginning of the season. Uh, both those guys, Houston and Humphrey among many 
many deserving names uh, from last night's game, and and those are just the two that that it's going to come down to for me this week. Well, that was a lot of fun, guys. Uh, thanks for listening to the show. Uh, it was exciting as always. As far as our schedule, since uh, this week is the bye, I think we're going to come out with a uh, an episode of the uh, NFL Picks on our YouTube channel. Uh, that'll come out later this week. But we'll be back uh, the following week to talk about the upcoming matchup, uh, one of the first home games in a while, uh, the home matchup against the Panthers. Uh, we're excited for that one. As always, uh, you can find us on Twitter, at WomaningPod. Uh, you can also find us on YouTube uh, under the same name. Uh, Peter, actually, uh, are you... Um, are you doing any more history corners for this week? Or I guess that would be something that maybe come back a little bit later, right? Yeah, I'm uh, taking a break in the bye week. It's going to be a bye week from history corner. But uh, I've got some stuff lined up for uh, the second half of the season. So uh, it's been a fun little project this year. I appreciate the, the feedback that everyone has given who has reached out. Uh, it's been a no, just another fun thing, you know, for us to look back at in the, in the fan community. A pretty fun thing on Purple Friday. So, yeah, continue to check that out. We'll have more stuff going through the end of the year with that. Nice. All right. Well, thanks for the update, Peter. Well, uh, we'll be back and uh, to talk to you guys soon. And in the meantime, go Ravens. Take care.